fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm really, I'm doing really well. <clears throat> I am, I'm very sore. I'm very sore. Uh, it's like Due that. to your advanced age? In part. It's that sort of like uh, freshly worked out, like in a in a really stressful way, sore, which mm. I think is going to turn into oh my god, I can't I can't move tomorrow. <sighs> Maybe in two days. Maybe I don't. I feel like the lactic acid buildup from swimming is really unique to swimming. Yeah. So I went swimming <clears throat> with my daughter. So I was a swimmer as a youth, and you know, like when. Like, like the high school swim team, you've got like the regular kids and the club swimmers who are just like way better. I was one of the club swimmers. So I swam year round, like in the middle of the season, it was like 11 practices a week. I was a swimmer. So I have all this muscle memory related to swimming and technique. Uh, but I'm also, I haven't swam in like 25 years. I'm 40, 42 at this point. I'm fat. Uh, so like not, not peak swimming condition, but my daughter has started swimming. She's been swimming now for, you know, really 18 months or so, and she's getting pretty good. And this is the first time we swam together. We went to the pool, did a swimming workout cause her swim team is off right now. And we did a swimming workout. We get in, we start, and it's just a mile. We're just going to swim a mile. It's, which is in swimming terms, not very far. Um, so we get in the pool, we start working out and I, immediately realize that she's faster than I expected her to be. And so I'm like, there. well, there's just no way that I'm going to allow my 12-year-old daughter to beat me at swimming. No. And so I, we swim, we swim 25. We start off just with the 200, right? We swim 25. And as I f- do my flip turn, she's right there. I'm like, oh, well, interesting. So we swim, an- we swim another 25, get to the, get to the lap do another flip turn and she's right there. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to have to unwind it a little bit. So uh, wind up, you know, kind of pushing down a little bit, you know, uh, create some space. Yeah. I I beat her by, I don't know, I would say probably 20 seconds on the, on the 200, maybe 30 seconds on the 200, which is good. But then I've like set the tone. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, so I got to push. So I am, I have not pushed myself that hard in any workout for probably, I don't know, six years, seven years. And so I'm, I'm sore. This is just, I've just done this in the last like two hours. So right now that's what I'm feeling. You're still rosy. Yeah, it's probably true. (laughs) You are. So, uh, but, but a, a bit of a twist to the story. We come home. Uh, Kim had asked me to make steak tonight. I said, sure. Can you put it on the marinade? She does. It's like a flank steak, which I'm, mm. I'm like increasingly a huge fan of the flank steak. They're too expensive. Well, flank and skirt are like oddly expensive for the amount. Like, like the per pound is not my favorite. So good though. It is very good. Anyway, so I make flank steak, flank steak <laughs> and, um, make, you know, some rice and a salad and, uh, after after dinner, everybody's kind of wa- kids are watching an amazing race, and I've got to get ready to come over here. So I'm like, 
you know, rinsing off my dish, kind of checking out. And Betty gets up, comes into the kitchen, like to talk to me. I can tell she's trying to talk to me. She kind of leans close to my shoulder and she goes, she goes, dinner was so good tonight and I had fun swimming. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, she's 12. You're not going to get a moment like that for probably another decade. I know, maybe not, (laughs) right? She's really, she's really cool. And she's like, but it was just like, oh my gosh. And she's like, you know, it's not like a kid saying, oh, I love you, daddy. She's like a young, like a young adult at this point. She's in her tweens. Yeah. Right. And it's like, whoa, it's precious. Nailed it. Nailed it. Really so, hang on to that one. Andrew, how are We're you? immortalizing it right here. Right yeah, now. it's immortalized for forever and ever. Yeah. I am good. I um, I needed to upgrade my, my work bag situation, so I bought a bag today. Like, not on a whim. This is a bag that I've been intending to buy. Like, I had this decision made. Sure. Uh, so I, I'm a huge Mystery Ranch fangirl. For those of you unfamiliar with Mystery Ranch, they are a, like, premier bomb-proof, super high-quality packs and kind of accoutrement gear company. Uh, They do all manner of really specialized bags and packs for uh, military, for wildland firefighting, for hunting. Uh, I became... And and first responders, too, right? They've got like a big first responder following. Yeah, that's kind of their thing. Uh, I became familiar with them through hunting channels. I have one of their hunting packs... And though it weighs more than, it just, it weighs too much, but because it's indestructible. Yeah. It's one of those compromises. Exactly. It will last me forever. Um, The technology on it's really good. All of the failure points are like replaceable parts. Gosh, that's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. So anyway, I got one of their, um, I got a three-way briefcase and that will be, in my mailbox on Sunday or Monday. I don't recall when, uh, and I'm very excited for it. So I'm just like kind of riding that little bit of, uh, of what do they call it? Retail therapy high right now. Yeah. 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 I bought a couple other things, some storage solutions. I got one of those elastic, uh, panels, the griddits, the cocoon yep. griddits. I got a yeah. grid it, uh, what, f- <clears throat> former other thing of mm-hmm. mine that it, I still carry every single day and it's one of the most awesome things on the face of the earth cuz it has a velcro panel inside so I'm just going to get some double sided velcro to go on there and then I'll have a Brilliant. stickable grid Brilliant. Uh, I, I'm I already have a plan dude I, I know exactly it. how everything is going to fit in that bag now I love it you, you know I, I know a lot of people are good at like pack organization but I think folks in the military are especially good at it there's there's a very unique breed of people who can pack a bag, live out of it, and access everything in the dark with one arm going through the top. Like you <laughs> just right. know where your things are. That's right. Th- those people are backpackers and people that were in the military. Yeah. And when you <laughs> when you collide those two skill sets, you have some expert That's bag right. packers. That's right. And there is a there's a big overlap in that Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah, big one. Uh, so I'm good. I, I'm I'm excited. That's great. That's great to hear. I'm excited for your bag. You sent that picture, and I was like, man, I wish, because I love Mystery Ranch and Tactical Tailor and these companies that make like 
just good shit. Good shit in that tactical shit. But I just have no opportunity to carry anything even <clears throat> slightly tacti- tactical. Yes. That's the nice thing about the Mystery Ranch. This line, it's their their everyday carry stuff. So though there's a lot of tactical components, it's not a 5.11 bag. Yeah. It's not wrapped in exterior Velcro pads. It doesn't have molly webbing all over it. That's right. And that's just not a thing that I want to carry on a daily basis. I just I just don't want that. It, I want the capacity inside. I want it hidden. Like I want the molly webbing in the interior sections. I want I want all that, but I don't want people who just pass me to see that. Like I want there to be a gun in there, but I don't want you to think there is. Yeah, and to be clear, I wasn't saying your bag no, is super tactical, but it, it's too tactical for It's Cordura, right? It's you you can't yes. you can take it to court, but you you I can take it to court. You should not. I'm going to look a little I'm going to look a little funny with that in court. So uh, yeah, but you yeah. don't have a ponytail or wear pink bow ties to court. So like you're, you're, you know, you could do something to stand up. I, I am not going to rule out either one of those things in my legal career. Uh, I've seen both. <laughs> I've seen both. I've been like, really? Really? That's a, that's a decision. Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, we've got a fun show, uh, planned tonight and, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, so, you, you may, yeah, we're going to get right into it right now. Right, right after this, after now, yeah. Uh, My kid meowed me the other day. I swear to God, he meow gamed me. He goes, "I want it meow." Like, did you say meow? No. <laughs> when do you want it? All right, meow. Has like, he seen Super Troopers? No. <laughs> oh, man. So we've got a fun episode. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the background on this. Uh, I, I reached out to our Discord. I just had a, it was just one of those ideas. Sometimes came to you in a dream. Something hits you, right? So I reached out to the Discord. And I said, hey, what we're looking for is a very, very short plot summary for a 1990s sci-fi film. Bombastic is, is better than realistic. It doesn't need to be plausible. We also need five characters who have discrete personalities as part of this exercise. So very short, five discrete characters. And somebody said in the thread, oh, are you going to compare us against chat GPT? And I thought, well, gosh, there's an idea. Well, now I am. So I threw that prompt into chat GPT. And it, you know, if you've never played with chat GPT, it's crazy. It's instantaneous. It's just like you put the thing in and it's just like, bloop, here you go. So I typed that into ChatGPT and it spit something back at me. And I was like, oh, I should have just done this. But this was more fun. By that time, I had gone back into the Discord and people were coming up with stuff. And it's pretty fun. And so we wound up getting, I think, seven or eight submissions. All of them were pretty good. There was one of them that was uh, uh, King of the Hill themed. It was brilliant. Um But the one we wound up going with, so this is a plot outline that was submitted to us by Joe Captain Sano Frost. Uh, His his Instagram handle will be in the show notes uh, if if you want to check out his Instagram. But attribution, where attribution is deserved, this plot outline is brought to you by Joe and ChatGPT. They're co-credentialed on this thing. Collaborated on it. So, So what I did was take... I took these very, very brief 
plot outlines and character outlines, plugged them into ChatGPT and said, hey, ChatGPT, I want you to do the same exact thing, but start with this. And so it took Joe's idea and just fleshed it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So with with that said, I'm just going to go right into it and give you our plot outline for our movie tonight. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world are you guys talking about? So... I uh, if I'm if I'm being fair, I was with you, you the listener, and like how what 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 are we doing tonight? I don't understand. So the goal of tonight's the goal of tonight's show is for us each of us to pick a watch for the characters in our movie. So we've got a sci-fi movie. We're gonna read you the plot outline. At the end of that, Andrew's gonna introduce you to our characters, and from there we're gonna pick what watch we think those characters would be wearing. I see your picks. You put them in the notes. So, Oh, sorry, buddy. Spolt. So without further ado, a title of our movie of our 1990s sci-fi film is Blood Moon Conspiracy. Because of course it is, right? It feels like a 90s theme too. Plot outline. In the picturesque landscape of rural Oregon, the FBI is called to investigate a peculiar case of cattle mutilation where blood has been mysteriously drained from the livestock. Veteran FBI agent Jack Ironclad McAllister, known for his grizzled demeanor and unorthodox investigative method, is paired with the talented but inexperienced agent Olivia Siren Harper. <laughs> As they embark on their journey from Washington, D.C. to Oregon, tensions rise between them fueled by a magnetic attraction that neither can deny. <sighs> Upon arrival, they encounter a struggling farmer, Hank Thompson, on the verge of bankruptcy due to the unexplained loss of his cattle. A shadowy figure known only as Mr. X seems to revel in Hank's misfortune and is linked to the strange occurrences on the farm. With a sinister laugh and a cat by his side, Mr. X appears to have a personal vendetta against Hank, though the reasons remain unclear. As the investigation progresses, Jack and Olivia discover a mysterious K-car circling the farm, disrupting their efforts. It's a K-car. That's what it says. I, no, no, no. So I had to look this up. K-car. Korean. They're these Korean little trucks, right? No. The K-cars refer to that ultra boxy body style from the like 70s, 80s, 90s that Chrysler was selling. Oh, okay. Okay. So Jack and Olivia discover a mysterious K car circling the farm, disrupting their efforts. The duo faces numerous obstacles from uncooperative locals to bizarre occurrences that challenge their skepticism. Meanwhile, Hank struggles to comprehend why he has become the target of this nefarious plot. The breakthrough comes when the FBI agents uncover the true mastermind behind the cattle mutilations, a whacked out devil worshiper named Damian Blackthorne. Driven to madness by the Brazilian speed metal band Sepultura, Damien believed that sacrificing cattle would summon otherworldly powers to fulfill his dark desires. In a dramatic confrontation, Jack and Olivia apprehend Damien, unraveling the threads of the conspiracy and bringing an end to the bizarre cattle mutilation spree. As they close the case, the sexual tension between the season agent and the rookie Simmers, leaving the door open for potential future investigations, and perhaps something more. Ironclad and Siren, Blood Moon Rising, coming next <laughs> fall. <laughs> okay, so 
listen, we're not going to ask you to tear apart our script. So just don't. And if you want to uh, it, 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 talk to ChatGPT about it. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly the way it is. Yes. Now for our characters. So you heard of the five discrete characters. Jack, ironclad McAllister, grizzled FBI veteran with a no-nonsense attitude. Jack is haunted by his past, but possesses a keen... I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> you mute me. <laughs> a keen intuition. His unorthodox method often clash with protocol, but his track record speaks for itself. Jack's tough exterior conceals a sense of justice and a desire to protect those who can't protect themselves. Agent Olivia... Siren Harper, a skilled and attractive rookie agent with a sharp mind. Olivia is determined to prove herself in the male-dominated world of the FBI. Her initial skepticism clashes with Jack's unconventional approach, creating tension that evolves into a complex dynamic. Olivia's perseverance and resourcefulness become crucial assets in solving the case. Hank Thompson, a struggling farmer facing financial ruin due to the mysterious cattle mutilations, Hank is a simple man bewildered by the inexplicable events on his farm. Ranch. When you when you grow animals, it's a ranch. Thanks, ChatGPT. It's a ranch. Fucking As the investigation GPT. unfolds, he becomes an unwilling pawn in a larger conspiracy, and his resilience ultimately helps the FBI agents uncover the truth. Mr. X, a shadowy figure. Orchestrating the conspiracy against Hank, Mr. X remains enigmatic, pulling strings from the shadows with a sinister laugh and a cat by his side. His motivation for targeting Hank gradually come to light as the investigation progresses. Damian Blackthorne, the eccentric devil worshiper driven to madness by Sepultura's music. Damien becomes the central antagonist, sacrificing cattle in a misguided attempt to gain supernatural powers. His unhinged personality and devotion to the Brazilian speed metal band add a touch of the absurd to the investigation. So this is what we're working with. These are our five characters. We have the plot. And now it's down to us to interpret these personalities and give them a watch. Now, we set some ground rules for these watches. They had to be period correct. And if they were not period correct, you had to have a really damn good reason for why. So what I went... Sort of with, like Brad Pitt, yes. all uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I, in my mind, I kind of went like mid-90s as, as, my, as my top end. So I'm imagining this movie occurring and like set in between 90 and 94 kind of zone. Yeah, I, I had it. I had it just a little bit later, mm-hmm. for some specific reasons. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's say ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, for the sake of argument, <laughs> just just you know, for no particular reason, <laughs> just this is where my head landed. I like imagine like these characters. Like Im- I imagined who they were. You oh know, yeah, uh, Chicago Fire. That um, that the old fire captain. That's yes. who I had as I like in my head. That was Ironside, and then that young firefighter, the not Amy Adams looking girl, but but Amy Adams looking girl. That's who I'm imagining as the rookie cop. Okay, okay. I, I definitely have pictures of these people in my head, but they're not they're not actors, which is odd. Oh, yeah, they're you just, just you just conjured them up. I conjured images of these people, much like ChatGPT. <laughs> So like I do want to. I do want to. Before we get into this, I do want to take one moment to defend 
Uh, I, I feel like there's some disparagement going on here. So first, Sepultura, more than a speed metal band. I, I, I appreciate you, ChatGPT, but you've done them dirty. Sepultura is probably the greatest thrash metal band of all time. Uh, I think they've recently uh, either embarked on or doing their farewell tour. They've had a, a, a bunch of like headliner changes, but Sepultura is a really cool band. And they're not for everybody acquired taste, but let's 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 go easy on disparaging Sepultura chat GPT. Anything to add about that, Andrew? No, I, I'm I'm with that. <laughs> well, so so why don't we do this? So I think what it makes sense for us to do, we'll, we'll switch off and we'll just go through the characters. We'll start from the top okay. or maybe, maybe no, let's start from the bottom. Oh, OK, let's start from the bottom. And and we'll we'll alternate. Uh, I can lead first for Damian Blackthorn. Okay. So Damian Blackthorn again, eccentric devil worshiper, driven to madness by Sepultura's music. And this is like a uh, this is like a Nancy Reagan thing, right? It was not Sepultura. It was Damian Blackthorn. Exactly. Uh, Damien becomes the central antagonist, sacrificing cattle in a misguided attempt to gain supernatural powers. So uh, cattle mutilation is a real thing, by the way. Google it. it yeah. This is a real thing. This this wasn't like totally made up. Right. This was a thing. Um, it, I went with a, a watch that I think really perfect for either someone who was like nerdy and not quite in touch with cool things or someone who's genuinely evil. And that is the Tag Heuer SL Link. And when you say SL, it sounds like you're saying S in the letter L, but I think you're actually saying it's actually S and E-L, L, like elegance, simple elegance, I think. Uh, the Tag Heuer SL Link. If you don't know what this watch is, go ahead and give it a go ahead and give it the old Google Aru. Uh, but this is like I always think. It's sort of got like a like an alien vibe, like mm -hmm. the organic. So this is one of two tag warriors on my list, by the way. It is. You you must really attribute. Uh, you got a you got a weird thing for. I feel like tag warrior had a moment in the <clears throat> '90s, uh, but that's that's what I've gone with. I I think someone really crazy, evil, into thrash metal. They were like, yeah, that's my watch. It's got this like, oh, yeah, it's like an alien. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I went with. I personally think these watches are kind of cool, but like cool in that way where I'm like, I could never wear that. Like, I just don't like it on my wrist. But there's something, you know, they were fairly avant-garde. Even even at the time, even in the '90s, where everybody was kind of all over the place, uh, you, you know, and, and I think in some ways, really, was part of Tag Tag Heuer's presence. The links sort of also look like the the cartoon drawing of a of a steer head, like bullseye barbecue sauce. Yeah, like imagine that steer head. And they kind of the links kind of look like that. I, I I'm not sure you intended that, but I'm sort of <laughs> maybe that's what brought you here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I don't know when these were. So th at, at one point there were the SL, and then they later became the Link. And I don't know when that happened. I, it may have been after this, so I just put both of them in there. But just 
just to clarify for anybody at home screaming about this, you know, because you're a Tag Heuer fanboy, like it, it might be just the SL or it may be just the link. It's one of those two. I don't think it was ever the SL link together, mm-hmm. but it was one of those two. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a mid-90s Tag Heuer link slash SL. All right. Would you go with? Okay, so when when I think of an eccentric person who has like gone off the rails, took some time to get there. <clears throat> it doesn't just happen overnight. So I did not go with a '90s crazy watch because I'm assuming this is a watch that he had right during the the going crazy, right? And and poor people don't get eccentric. Like poor people are just called crazy people. Rich crazy people are called eccentric. Yeah, that's right. So I'm thinking when, when when I'm when I'm thinking through this, I'm I'm wondering to myself like I'm I'm thinking through that that mid '80s to early '90s zone when somebody who's got some money and is maybe not on the fringes of society yet, what are they going to be wearing? And everybody who's anybody in the '80s and early '90s is wearing the two tone Rolex Datejust. Yeah. Everybody with too many links, and that thing is is riding from wrist to elbow. Yeah, generally it's gonna be head of the watch down because there's so much extra link on there. But that's what this crazy dude is wearing because he wasn't always that way, and he comes from money, and this is his power move. He he wants like he he's drinking the blood of of children, except in in the way of cattle. That's what this guy's wearing in my mind. Yeah, I think possibly the most ubiquitous 1990s watch, right, is the two-tone Datejust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I really thought someone was going to get it. Spoiler alert, nobody on my list gets that watch uh, because it just didn't seem like it fit. But I can see it here for it's old Damien Blackthorne. Exactly. This, and, and I'm not imagining him old. I'm imagining him like Adam Driver age. Oh, oh that's perfect. Right? Yeah. He's he He went a little off the rails you know, in his mid thirties, is this dad's? Is this dad's date just? No, this is his. Okay, because he came from money. He bought it because he wanted to be the cool hip guy. He's wearing his white suit, his his loose date just, and has this unquenchable thirst for power, and then gets turned by thrasher metal into drinking cow blood instead of just eating the beef. I love it. This is my most boring pick. But it fits. It's what this villain needs to be wearing. Yeah, it, I actually, I, I actually really like the the contrast between these, and I think they both work, but they make the character slightly different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I think we should. You know what? I think we should go with Hank Thompson, our farmer, next. Ooh. Okay. Hank Thompson. So uh, a reminder: a struggling farmer. Facing financial facing financial ruin due to the mysterious cattle mutilations. Hank is a simple man, bewildered by the inexplicable events on his farm. Okay, why don't you go first? No, we're every other. So you got to go oh, first okay. here. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, we're producing live. We produce live, people. We'll do it live. So we've got a cattle rancher, an Oregon cattle rancher. We're not talking. Texas, Wyoming, Colorado cattle ranchers. We don't have big, big ranching operations here. We've got good sized ranching operations, but we're not dealing with Texas money. We don't have cattle barons. 
So I'm trying to think of what some, but not many, right? Right, but, but he's on some ruin. Like he, he's 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 going down the tube. Ranchers get paid once a year for the most part. So I'm thinking, what's a frugal guy who's putting his whole heart and soul, his very existence, into his world? I th- immediately think that it's a family operation, right? Hank's a little older. You know, he's he's probably got kids who aren't in the business. He's he's facing this fear that this family operation dies with him. And the only watch that made sense for me, for him to be wearing, was his dad's watch. Because this guy doesn't spend money on anything but the farm. Neither did dad, and dad got his watch for free when he went and fight when he went to fight the Nazis in Europe. So Hank is wearing dad's Bulova A11. World War II issue, hand cranking. That's what he's been wearing every day since Pop went. And that's what that was dad's watch. So that's the watch that dad got in the war. He brought it home, he wore it, and he gave it to Hank. And that's what Hank is still wearing. Man, I really love that pick. And if I could go back again, I think I would have gone that way. That's terrific. And I think you're right. I think Hank's wearing his dad's Boulevard A11. Mm-hmm. So I gave Hank a bit more credit than you did in terms of income. I think Hank's got a modestly successful, relatively large cattle operation. I agree with you. This we're not talking Ted Turner money, uh, but we are talking we are talking a successful operation. And, and there are there are successful cattle ranches in Oregon. Very much so. But uh, not, not Texas cattle ranch. There ain't no King Ranch here. That's right. They didn't that's name right. a pickup after any of Oregon's cattle ranches. So my thought was Hank has been, up till very recently, pretty successful. Uh, but agreed, he is a simple man. He is not really spending a lot of time. So the watch I went with is something that would have been readily available in 1996. It would have been popular it would have been available at any city jewelry store that you go to because, you know, Hank probably drove to Baker City, probably walked into the closest jewelry store. They had an Omega counter, and in that Omega counter was the brand new Pierce Brosnan Seamaster 300. Those are the 2531s, right? You know, I I don't know. I didn't look up. I didn't pull up a reference on this, but everybody knows what we're talking about. This is the Omega Seamaster with the fantastic bracelet. And if you disagree with me, you can pound sand. Uh, Probably the greatest Seamaster ever made. And at the time, the coolest watch in the world. We've got a blue bezel, blue wave dial, three hands with a date, extremely practical, luxurious, and good enough for James damn Bond. Yeah. Good enough for me. Good enough for Hank Thompson. Good enough for Hank Thompson, for show. So he went to he went to Baker City, picked himself up a get himself a little bling. And now and now it's sort of a symbol of and now it's sort of a symbol of his excess in mm. light of the failure, pending failure of his farm and mm-hmm. something that he feels a little bit of guilt about, maybe. It, it strikes a bigger contrast, like, like how, how far he's he's fallen to be on, being on the verge of bankruptcy after having been 
spending money on bling. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I went with. I do kind of like, I like your pick a little bit better, Andrew. I don't think there's anything wrong with my pick. Mm -mm. I think in the context of the character, the committee decides Bulliba A11. I was I felt really good about that pick. It's fantastic. I was I was writing these characters in my head. I was like, he's wearing Daddy's watch. You're right. And Daddy got it in World War II fighting Nazis. You're right. You win this because Daddy got home and and bought the farm. <laughs> that's but right. He didn't he didn't do it in Germany. That that's right. No, I, terrific choice. Uh Mr. X. Oh yeah. This I was should... this was an interesting pick. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear yours. Bit of review, shadowy figure, orchestrating conspiracy against Hank. Mr. X remains enigmatic, pulling the strings from the shadows with a sinister laugh and a cat by his side. So uh, clearly there's some like uh, James Bond allusions here. I think it makes sense for us to think that Mr. X is probably very wealthy. That's where I went too. Very, very wealthy. But I don't think Mr. X is stodgy. I think Mr. X is on the precipice of high fashion. Mm. He knows what's happening in the world. He's got immaculate taste. If not a little bit gaudy just a touch gaudy i'm not talking about uh who's the piano player with the rings uh, it'll come to me yeah uh but you know just a a, a little bit of a, a, a flair but very 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 in vogue we took we took a little bit different routes at this point i went with the parmigiani fleurier Toric memory time. So this is actually the first watch from Parmigiani Fleurier, and it is an absolute stunner. I just I will say that for myself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gorgeous. But this was the very first watch from a company that, as we know, would go on to become a big hitter. Uh, started by a watch restorer in Switzerland, and it it came out swinging. So this is white gold, beautiful guilloche dial, uh, totally, totally stunning watch, but a little bit evil looking to me. Well, a little sinister. It's got a sinister vibe, and kind of knowing the the history of the company, knowing the history of the watch, I pulled this up and I was like, that is a villain's watch. This they will take these pictures. <laughs> they do kind of look <laughs> like, like Will pictures. pictures. Uh so yeah. I, will did you do these? I think this guy I do I don't think Will did those. I I think Mr. X, very cool, very badass, impeccable taste, and on the very cutting edge which puts him in probably, I'm going to say, history. historically speaking, I don't know that anybody in 1996 knew that this was the coolest watch in 1996, but I think we can look back and say this was the coolest watch in 1996. Yeah, hindsight is valuable there. Mr. X, 
I'm gonna. <clears throat> I, I I may be. I may be kind of talking up the villain. I think you are talking up the villain. I think you're giving him some undue credit. But he knew, Mister X, not a great villain, kind of weird motivations, but he was impeccably dressed. Par- I, I I can accept that. So link in the show notes. Parmigiani Fleurier. Toric memory time. Look this watch up, by the way. There's one in platinum, and I think the platinum looks far more sinister than the white gold. Gorgeous watch. Yes. Ready for my Mr. X take? I mean, if it's a little bit of watch porn here, right? It's certainly. That's what we do. Yeah, certainly. I'm ready. All right. So Mr. X is a henchman, and we're in the 90s. He seems... Isn't he the general? He's there's it's he's the only guy. So yeah. sure, sure, he's, he's the bold. general. <laughs> but he's the henchman. He's got a sinister laugh. He's driving the cool car. I'm imagining like a Dr. Evil bald cat next to him. Hundred. Uh I am I am accepting that he's well dressed because he's a henchman, right? He's he is the product, right? This is this is one of those those mercenary types who who doesn't necessarily care if they believe in the cause. They're gonna go to the highest paying villain out there. This is a professional bad guy. This is a dude who got drafted into Vietnam early, went and stayed because he liked it and he thrived in that environment. And came home and needed some more of it. That's when he that's when he turned villain and was good at it. Mr. X is wearing the Seiko 6105. He's wearing a Willard. He's he's wearing the very watch that he got when he became who he was. That's his connection back to everything else is well dressed, but that's his connection back to why he is doing it he is in it for the action for the fun does not care what he's doing he's a he's the real villain does this or does this not have the bezel attached it does have the bezel all right fine i'm just i'm just saying i, I mean he he was able to keep it <laughs> what you want from me here that's what i'm imagining this guy as this is this is like a formal former special forces guy Who's who's just on the mercenary train right now? Damien's willing to pay him a pretty penny to go and seem like the the shot caller. He's not. Yeah. I, I, so on the last one, I think I gave you full credit. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mr. X is more of a dandy than this with the cat. Perhaps. Yeah. But I love the choice, especially especially given the the source material that we have to pull from. Uh, definitely we've got a bit of a, yeah, I actually almost, I actually almost want Damian Blackthorne to have the 6105, but see, I kind of thought about that, but Damien's the shot caller. I think it's vice versa. I think Mr. X is the shot caller. No, he's the pulling the strings from the shadows. Until it's revealed that Damien is actually the one, the mastermind of the plan. You know, folks, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make these decisions at some point. Here we are in the room. Mister X is the henchman. I like it. Unless in Blood Moon Rising, we learn that Mister X was actually using Damien to fulfill a far more sinister plot. Yeah, I I I, t- I took this as as Damien being the the henchman, 
and Mr. X sort of pulling the strings. But I, I think it could. I think you're right. I think it could go either way. Damien's the only one with motivation. Yeah, he's trying to obtain intergalactic power <laughs> because of Sepultura. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. X is just driving laps in his K car with a sinister <laughs> laugh. I like it. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. Okay, because we still got four to go. No, we've just got two to go. Four watches. Each, yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, next, we're gonna go to our our, our sexy. Who did who, who oh. did you who did you picture here? Uh, what's her name? Uh, I've sort of got a, a I've sort of got a but not quite. Um, Sarah Connor. Who's the actress that played Sarah Connor? Um, Sigourney Reaver. No, no. <laughs> No, no. Uh, hold on, it's gonna come to me. Linda Hamilton. Okay, I've sort of got a limb, but not quite Linda Hamilton. Maybe a like a, a a Mexican Linda Hamilton in this role. So for Agent, oh no, it's you. You're up. It is my turn. I can't. I can't find her. It doesn't matter. Um. I think she was on either Chicago PD or Chicago Fire. She's got like that gravelly, sounds like she's been smoking Marble Reds unfiltered for like 50 years. But it's like, I love that. It's like 35. It's my favorite. <clears throat> okay, so w- l- with our character here, we have yeah, yeah, qu- so- Agent Olivia Siren Harper, a skilled and attractive rookie agent with a sharp mind. Olivia is determined to prove herself in the male-dominated world of the FBI. Her initial skepticism clashes with Jack's unconventional approach, creating tension that evolves into a complex dynamic. Olivia's perseverance and resourcefulness become crucial assets in solving the case. Okay. We've got our background. Here's my pick. The Hamilton Khaki, 33 millimeter. And here's why. This is a woman who has just graduated from law school. She's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. She decides she wants to join the FBI. To go to the FBI, you need a watch. But she couldn't get a typical women's watch. She had to get something that was going to help her fit in. Couldn't be flashy, couldn't be big, had to fit, had to work. So she went with a no bullshit 33 millimeter field watch that was going to be totally fit in, in the environment, totally fit her, going to be baller as fuck. And she's broke as hell because she just graduated law school and was about to go to Quantico. Affordable, reliable, no nonsense, by the book as it can get for an FBI field agent. It's it's terrific. I'll just say one of the best watches of the 90s. And it is a absolute crime that Hamilton has not reintroduced this khaki logo. That big blocky yes. khaki logo from the 90s. It is a crime that Hamilton's kept that from us. Give it back. Give it back, Hamilton. No, I think that's a terrific choice. I, I, I think, oddly enough, you and I decided exactly the same criteria applied and came up with totally different watches. Yep. 
So I also agree she's just graduated law school, which is an interesting. That's not in the prompt, but I agree. She has just come out of law school. <laughs> that's funny. I uh, agree with you that she is going to get a relatively no-nonsense sort of uh, masculine watch. I, I, I went a different angle because I think, a li- I, I think a- Agent Harper is a little bit more cutting edge than this. So I went with what I think is maybe the best watch from this era. And that is a tag Hoyer 2000. But for, for agent Harper, I broke it down a little bit further. This is specifically a men's case, the full size. So 38, I think, or right around there steel case with a dark gray dial. I even have a reference, the 669.206. Something about this watch, I think, is exactly what Olivia Harper wants. It's a mm. big, bold watch with sort of, I don't know if it looked, looked it's as, a little overcompensating. She's overcompensating yeah. just, just, a touch. just a little bit, just a little bit. With that said, she came up with a pretty good watch to overcompensate with because this thing is rad and she's rad. She just doesn't quite know it yet. Or maybe she. Maybe she knows it a little too much. One of those two. It's somewhere it's, in between. It's there. Somewhere in between, yeah. But I, th- I think either one of these watches works perfectly for that character. Gosh, if if you look up Chicago PD uh, to try to find a cast member, uh, it, it has two thousand four hundred and fifty-seven credited cast members. Yeah. Well, how many seasons was Chicago PD from two thousand fourteen? So we're coming up on ten seasons. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where she's in because she's in the she's in I I can see her with uh, Jason or uh, yeah with Jason Beggy Baggy I don't know how to say his name that's probably that in my in my head is who I'm imagining her on the screen with I'll look later I probably won't even link it because um, I don't care that's a good pick for her I I think it's the same the same kind of it's the same feel, right? We just went a little bit different direction. All right. For our main event, sorry, ladies at home, to the extent you're listening, statistically speaking, there are like three of you maybe. Uh, and hi, thanks for joining us. This, <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This was the 90s. We all know that the, the, the dude was the main event. I'm sorry. That's, that's the way it was. Uh, Jack, ironclad McAllister, a grizzled FBI veteran with a no-nonsense attitude. I'm picturing like a mid-90s Nick Nolte or something. Mm -hmm. Jack is haunted by his past but possesses a keen intuition. His unorthodox methods often clash with protocol, but his track record speaks for itself. Jack's Jack's tough exterior conceals a sense of justice and a desire to protect those who can't protect themselves, like Hank. I made that, I put that last part in. We got to pick a watch for Jack. Of all of these people, I feel like Jack is the least likely, the least likely to be wearing a watch that was thoughtfully picked for the purpose of a watch. Jack needs to tell time. I agree. Jack needs to 
occasionally time things. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, Jack does not give a shit. And for that reason, he is wearing a $23.99 Timex Iron Man Indiglow, which is most likely, I think, the, the, the most iconic watch of the 90s. Maybe not the best, but one of the most iconic watches of the 90s. Bill Clinton famously wears this as the president of the United States with a suit. Still wears it, I'm sure. I, yeah, I don't think he does. Uh, but I think that there is no other watch that Jack Ironclad McAllister would possibly be wearing besides a Timex Iron Man and a glow. Interesting. The Bill Clinton. Interesting position to take. Um, I suspect, based on that tone, you're going to disagree with me. But I, you're wrong, and I'm right. I am going to disagree with you. Jack, like all other students who have just graduated from law school on their on their way to Quantico, they need to buy something that's going to work. And it's going to hang on. And Jack comes from money. That's why he doesn't give a shit about money now. So he gets a graduation present in the 60s. Because Jack's a, a weathered agent, right? I'm talking like 25 plus years in the bureau. Jack's graduation present from law school before he went to Quantico was the Breitling Navitimer. And this watch has stuck with him for 30 years on the job, doing the thing. It needs to tell time. He occasionally needs to time things. But that's what this dude is wearing. He's wearing a fucking Breitling. You know, Andrew, I had Jack and a Breitling Navitimer. Yeah. And I switched it. Yeah. It, it's a terrific pick. And, and I agree with you. It, that was the one where the I thought character. there would be overlap. Yeah. It, it, it fits <laughs> the character. Um, ultimately, I think for the purposes, I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. Breitling's not going to give us any money to put Jack in a Navitimer. Timex, on the other hand is going to give us money. Mm-hmm. And so we're going with the Timex. I'm making yeah, an EP we're decision. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> we're going with the Timex. But it's a good point. And I had I had Jack in the Breitling before I realized we were going to get more money from Timex. I have him in a 1966 Breitling Navitimer. Twin Jets. Twin Jets. Terrific. Yep. This is the same watch. It's the one watch he has ever owned. He didn't buy it himself, and that's just his watch. I like it. I like it. Okay. So, rounding it up, we have, we've got some choices. You guys can give us your comments, and you can even give us the watches that you think the characters would be wearing. But again, we have our, our antagonist. Andrew and I maybe disagree about who's the main antagonist. I've got Damian Blackthorne in the Tag Hoyer SL Link. Andrew's got Damian Blackthorne in the... And the Two-Tone Datejust. We've got Hank Thompson. I've got Hank Thompson in a sensible but splash Brosnan Seamaster. And I've got him wearing Papa's World War II Bulova A11. Great pick. 
I've got Mr. X in the very, very cutting edge Parmigiani Fleurier Toric Memory Time. And I've got him wearing his Seiko Willard. We've got Agent Olivia Siren Harper. I've got her in a Tag Heuer 2000 men's steel case with a dark gray dial 669.206 just because I did the work. And I've got her wearing the Hamilton khaki 24-hour 33-millimeter. Finally, Jack Ironclad McAllister, Timex Iron Man Indiglo, and a Breitling Navitimer. This was fun. This was fun. This is different than anything we've ever done. Ever done. And I had a fun with the project. Uh, we, we've got some ideas to kind of play on this. I think, we, I think we'll let it rest. And we will come back to this. What we want from you is we want your feedback. We want your feedback on this episode. And, and more so, I think, than any other time we've ever said this, we really want your feedback. Tell us mm-hmm. what you think about the episode. Tell, you, tell us what you think we should do differently, how we should do this differently, what kind of formats you want, what kind of themes you want, uh, how we should go about it. This is such a fun idea that I would think it would be a shame for us not to revisit it. Obviously, this is not going to be something we can do very often. With that said, we are going to put the the plans for the next one in action fairly soon here. Mm-hmm. So get us your feedback because this was a lot of fun, but I think it'll be more fun with more feedback. Concur. Andrew, other things, what do you got? I got another thing. So uh, I started a show that's not new. It's new to me, and it's new to Netflix. Are you familiar with the Broken Lizard comedy crew? Yeah. They've famously done several movies. Most famous, I would argue, is is probably Super Troopers. Indeed. Immediately followed by Beer Fest. Uh, it was news to me that uh, there was a Super Troopers 2. It wasn't like not recent news, but it's been a couple years. Yeah. Um, they also have like five other movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I actually. Slammin' Salmon is on my watch list. Uh, but I think you could probably just stick with Beer Fest and Super Troopers, which are really formative movies for me. I watched them each probably hundreds of times as a as a youth. Um, so anyway, these guys uh, do movies together, and they're comedians. Two of them, Kevin Hefferman and Steve LeMay, uh, wrote a show. They created a show called Tacoma FD. It takes place at a firehouse in Tacoma, Washington. It came out in 2019 on True TV, and it got it's just been renewed for a fourth season. So seasons one through three are all available on Netflix right now. And it is hysterical. Farva is the fire chief of this house. Mac is one of his captains. And then it's got this great cast of comedians and you recognize almost all of them. You can't necessarily place them, but you recognize everyone. And it is super troopers, but as firefighters and a television show. So you get more time with it. And it's hysterical. I've watched a good chunk of season one and have laughed out loud by myself every time. Tacoma FD. You know what I love about this crew is that they, the the actors are all who the actors are. I think a lot of their personality comes out in their characters, but each of them has a 
an ability to take their personality and adapt it into different sort of dynamics in terms of like the power hierarchies. Mm -hmm. And so Farva being the captain and Mac, the dare I say like borderline competent, right? Yeah. If even though he is from super troopers, like the least competent, most ridiculous, he's still the same actor. He's still talking the same way. He's still acting the same way, Yes, but he's taken his, his personality and molded it into this other role and it works so well. Yes. Yeah. They're really, have you watched it? I've seen, yeah, I've seen bits of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't like, like binged it at all. Uh, I'm really actually enamored by that group because you can tell how comfortable they are with each other. Yes. A lot of nudity in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Full frontal male nudity, to be to be clear. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the only type, right? I think there's others. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, I've got another thing, and it's also a show. Ooh. So this show comes by way of, well, it comes from me, but it comes to me by way of Blaine Townsend, uh, Insta Blaine, someone who's been a friend of us, uh, of our show since the beginning. He is, I think, it's okay for me to say this, he's our largest supporter on Patreon. He's just a person who uh, has always been, always been on our side, always supported us. Uh, and turns out he's actually this really nice person who I have now spent a lot of time with and hung out with. Uh, but we talk probably just about more than me and any other person in the world. And he has been trying to get me to watch the show Slow Horses for a while. This, slow Horses? Slow Horses. This is a show on Apple TV. It's got Gary Oldman in it and some other actors mm. that I don't really know. And, and something about it, I was just kind of like, I didn't. it's not that I didn't want to watch it. It was just that... Like it was, it was that show that was like, yes, I do want to watch that, but not yet. Like I just am not feeling it yet. So he reaches out to me about two weeks ago and said, "Hey, have you started that yet? Because you know there's new stuff happening." And I was like, "No, I haven't, but I think we will." And I mentioned it to Kim. I said, "Hey, we should watch Slow Horses." And she was like, "Oh my gosh, I really want to watch that." And I was like, "Well." Okay, I guess no time like the present. This was on, I believe, Friday of last week. We are now Wednesday, so what's five days removed from that, and we have watched almost all of season two. Uh, so, doing work. We did some work on it. It's terrific. So this is a British MI five specifically. We've got like a group. Uh, this is like the bad news bears of MI five. These are the rejects. And the has-beens and the like it's this group of MI5 agents that have been like relegated, right? And so uh Gary Oldman plays, you know, sort of a Jack Ironclad McAllister type, uh grizzled veteran. Everybody's got a past, everybody's got a history, everybody's got flaws, uh, but everybody's talented. And you know, it's MI5, so there's intelligence, wars, and people lying and and yeah, you know, the whole thing. Okay. Really well acted. I mean, Gary Oldman's a 10. Yeah, he's a 10. Really well acted, uh, fun, light without being overly light, uh, never heavy, I would say. Uh, but 
uh, you know, serious, uh, suspenseful. It, it's, it is, I, I will say, the one thing that I don't love about it, it's one of these shows that ends every episode on a cliffhanger. Uh, which is, is fine. if you want to binge. It, it's fine when you're binging, <clears throat> uh, but it is literally every episode ends on some sort of cliffhanger. Like, like if we don't get these people to come back to the theater tomorrow... To watch the next part, we're gonna lose them forever. Like, no, no, Apple, we don't need a cliffhanger every episode. We're already paying for the service. That's right. You have us we're, for at least a month. We're gonna watch it. Like, <laughs> just anyway, it, 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 that's fine. It, and maybe that's a decision. With that said, that's the only criticism I've had so far. Uh, really, really terrific. It's on Apple TV. I don't know if you can get it other places. It was a show that it's, kind of... If it's on Apple TV, almost certainly can't see it anywhere else. You're probably right about that. Well... Legally. Uh, without impacting the lives of production staff. And, and I'll just say <laughs> one more time, I'll kind of reinforce, this was a show that I had looked at that had been recommended to me, and at the end of the day, I just kind of like was passive and didn't get into it. And, and I won't say that was a mistake, but I, I definitely was wrong with any of my like, uh, maybe not. It's fantastic and super edible in very large doses. I like it. I don't have Apple TV, so I won't like it. Slow horses. Check it out. Maybe it'll come to Netflix. Andrew, it occurs to me that we've done everything we aimed to do tonight. Do you have anything that you'd like to add before we wind it up? There's still some uh, black bezel. Oh, yeah. There's a few. There's We're... still some black bezels available in our uh, Notice collaboration. The uh, the Watch Clicker X Notice. There's still all, the stainless steel bezels are gone, but there's still some black DLCs. And, and I think they're getting pretty low on those, mm -hmm. too. So if that is a watch that you're interested in, I would get in there. Strike while the iron is hot. Well, strike while the iron exists. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's going to those those are going to be gone, and then they'll be gone forever. Uh, that's not something we. <laughs> it's not something we'll be releasing more of. Uh, when there may be more collaborations in the future, but that's it for this one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you can do that at noticewatches.com. Yes, that's all I have. I'm out of things. Now. No, that was a good thing to add. That was an important thing to add. Maybe even two compliments back to back weeks. Look at you go. <laughs> Uh, for the rest of you, I would like to thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20th Watch Clicker Podcast. Do me a favor. Go to our website, watchclicker.com. That is where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also where we post articles and reviews and other things about watches. If you want to see us on social media, you can do that on Instagram at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker or just at watch clicker. That's Will. And uh, he posts really good pictures. If you want to support us, and oh boy, we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, folks, we don't make any money through sponsorships or anything else. So all the money we get for hosting and hardware and software comes from our patrons. Um, by becoming a patron, you get access to the Discord, and then I'll ask you to come up with sci-fi movie plots. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday 
for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.